I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And I'm sick. <laughs> yes, Madigan has an ear infection. She's and, uh, not feeling very well. My sinuses are all congested. But this is her commitment to the podcast. You guys, I haven't worked in the last two days. We're here. I am here. We're doing it. To do two episodes with you all tonight. And, um, damn it, I'm going to get through it. Yeah, you will. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so to continue on with our October theme. Our spookiness. Our little spooky theme that we have going on this month. Today we will be talking about villainesses or, mm -hmm. or female villains, that which I am really excited about. Yes. So I started thinking about wanting to do this topic... A while back, probably around the time whenever we were we did the Disney episode. Yeah. Because it did occur to me that although they are villains and we're supposed to see them as kind of like these evil um, entities or yeah. characters, they also, maybe accidentally through like the misogynistic trope that they were yep. written under, ended up being kind of inspirational feminist it's true. icons. It's true. I mean, some of them make some really bad decisions. Sure. 
you know, sure. like, don't kill people, things like that. Yes. Like, don't go after a girl's heart because she's prettier than you. Like, I'm going to say yes. no to that. I would say no to that. However, I did think of something in when I was researching this episode to speak on that issue. I found it interesting that... These fairy tales, right, they uphold youth and beauty Yes, as the ideal and the, the one thing that women are kind of, like, valued for. And that they compete over each other for. Right. But whenever an older woman is seeking or her ambition is leading her to seek youth and beauty, which is often the case, like in in Snow White uh-huh. um, or in... I was thinking Entangled in Rapunzel. Sure, That's a big one. absolutely. She kidnaps a child. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> For her hair. <laughs> so granted, not the best means, but it's like <laughs> society has conditioned us to believe that these things are where your value lies. And it's so, worth doing those things. Right, so when they go to seek these things out that is being kind of like propped up by this trope... That's true. It's it's the worst, most negative but portrayal. It's, yeah, and it's weird because like it's clear, too, that like a lot of these are written by men because it's like they're trying to make them seem like shallow or less like wholesome of characters, like less um, thought out, I feel like. But yet we see that and we can look at it as it being messed up on how society has influenced these female villains. Yeah, you know abs- I mean? absolutely. Absolutely. Um, What's your favorite Disney villain? villain? Female. Okay, my favorite female Disney villain. I mean, my mind always wants to go to those classic old school ones, yeah. like either maleficent or snow white even though i think that sleeping beauty is like the most boring disney movie yeah ever. it's really boring um, maleficent is the redeeming quality quality in that yeah all film. the fairies like i, I think the, the, fairies. the fairies are cute too the fairy godmothers yeah. are cute too um but probably it i mean i also really i don't like her when i watch the movie but thinking about the qualities about her I kind of like Ursula. Ursula is probably my favorite. Yeah. She was the... I was so scared of her when I was little that I got, like, a McDonald's toy of her, and I was like, Mom, throw it away! Like, I was so scared of her, but then, like, as I've gotten older, I've loved her more and more. The one that scared the bejesus out of me was Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville was actually scary. She's killing puppies. Yes, which is probably the most evil thing that you can do. Yes. Yeah. And, like, her eyes on that scene where she's driving the car mm-hmm. and they're, like, green and her hair is like, Yeah, ah! she goes crazy. So, like, years ago, when I... Do you remember when I lived in that really awful apartment that had, like, black mold? Yes. And you had dropped off... I was sick, funny enough, and you had dropped off a bunch of Disney movies for me? Yes, do I think this? so. You brought over 101 Dalmatians. And I played it on my TV, and it played over and over and over again while I was sick all night long. Oh, because you didn't stop it? Well, I just was too tired and sick to, like, get up, and I didn't have a remote to, like, turn the TV off. So I just let it play all night long. And I would keep waking up to that fucking scene where her hair is going crazy and her eyes are green. Yeah, not the most pleasant thing to wake up whenever you're you're in, like, a... It was like a fever dream. A fever, (laughs) yeah, a fever psychosis. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think... I really admire villains in a way. Yeah. Because they're less passive. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Like, we, they mean, they could be seen as aggressive or they could be seen as just confident and ambitious, Mm -hmm. which is kind of more the direction that, like, I would like to take it. Yeah. Even though I think that they were written to be. I think it was written to be an insult. Yes. In a way, it actually turns out to be. 
um, kind of a compliment, yeah. I think, for most of these villains. I agree. Well, there was something interesting that I was thinking about when I was researching this episode is about the differences between male and female uh, killers in real life and mm-hmm. like our villains in our day-to-day lives. And I was kind of looking up, I wanted to know the percentages between male and female serial killers and um, one-time killers. So 85% of serial killers are male, 15% are female. One-time killers are 90% men and 10% women. Um, And also I read that most female serial killers work alone, where sometimes like male serial killers will have like a wife or a partner or someone that could be helping them along. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I think... Also, when you examine um, pop culture villains, Mm -hmm. female villains tend to be more diabolical and they tend to have... Um, they tend to have more motivations that lean towards revenge. Right. Or, well, I mean, I think that's how people see women in general, where well, they're more, like, manipulative and conniving. Yeah. Rather than physically... Intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Their their motivations tend to uh, be either based in, like, revenge or... Um, gosh, hold on. I, I made a note of... Beauty. Uh, yeah. They're based in, like, revenge or, like, social rejection. Yeah. A Maleficent. lot of the time, yeah, Maleficent. You didn't invite me to a party, exactly. I curse your baby. Exactly, Whereas men uh, villains in pop culture are mostly based in, like, um, just power for, like, hunger for power. Which is interesting to me because when you think about Ursula, that's really what she was doing. She had just a thirst for power along with... Although, at the beginning, what? and I forgot this, I relearned this when I was working on this episode. yeah. In the beginning, whenever she first starts talking about Ariel, it's because she sees Ariel, like, leaving for a party, and she's, like, bummed out about, like, not getting to go to those parties. Ursula? Yes. I forgot about that. But that is that is that what happens at, at the beginning, yes. I thought that she just wanted to be the most powerful woman in the sea. Well, I think she did. Yeah. It's the same thing with, um, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, Yzma. Yzma yeah. is great. I have her monologue memorized mm-hmm. that I will do. And, like, I remember once we needed a monologue for class, I didn't have one, so I just toned it down a bit and just did the Yzma's Killing Cusco in a Box monologue. Yeah, yeah. Put um, a flea in a box, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then I'll put that box into another box, and then I'll mail that box. Okay, I'm done. Um, and then she's the same way. She wants to be the empress. She wants the power, and she right. was going behind Cusco's back to make these changes and try to, like, rule the kingdom for him. And then he's like, nah, and fires her. Then he's like, and then she's like, well, I'm gonna have to kill you then. Let's talk about the, there's usually two types of villainesses. They yes. usually fall in, into one or two, one of two categories. Mm-hmm. One would be the vampy, sexy seductress. Yes, exactly. Um, and this would be like your DC villains. When you think of like a Poison yeah. Ivy in particular, or yeah. like a Catwoman. Or the other version is usually the older, undesirable, anti-seductress. Yeah. It's kind of like the old hag trope, which Yzma would fall into. Yeah. You know, this kind of Although she is trying. She is looking... She's trying, but Potentially banging in that dress with those low, pointy boobs. uh, Well, her and um, Cruella de Vil, I think, are the same. Yeah. It's like... But in that way, I kind of think it speaks to what we're saying about older women... Yes. Who are trying to maintain They're this just facade grabbing of at straws, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to look a certain way, and that that should be 
looked down upon. Yeah. Or like that that's that's an issue. It's a problem that, yeah. that women try to grasp onto that. I think we see that in everyday life too with women who wear makeup and how people seem to think that that's some kind of like Dis, you know, it's deceptive. Yeah. Or older women who get plastic surgery, we think it's deceptive and yeah. it's a negative thing that yeah. we look at. Yet we hold on to this idea of women looking a certain way, but then when women actually do something to try to look a certain way, we shun them for that. Yeah, yeah. But I also admire female villains for their sense of style. Because we were just talking about Yzma and Cruella Deville. Yes. Female villains... What's so cool... If looks could kill Keegan. Yeah, I mean, what's so cool about them is I feel like female protagonists, the the princesses, the heroes in these movies, they're all kind of cookie-cutter Yes, in the way that they, they are holding on to that very old trope of being virginal and... Yes, pure, um, tiny. Modest. Yeah. And not outlandish in any way. They don't rock a bold lip, you know what I'm saying? Like, they... <laughs> They're very That's demure, how you kind can of. tell. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> if, if she's dressed, is she dressed in black or leather? Or does she have no. a bold lip or very styled hair or maybe a gaudy fur coat? Or a nice cat eye? Yeah, yeah. No, she does not, Keegan. Yeah, only vil- That's how you know this yeah. woman's about to be a villain. I love Ursula in the beginning when she, like, squeezes that little thing. And she puts thing her and lipstick puts her on. Lipstick. Oh, I know. I adore that. Girl. That's so great. And her outfit, too, is so good. Yeah. Yeah, I would wear that. I like I like the black like sweetheart. Yeah. Kind yeah. of big dress. Gown. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um I like her hair too. Uh someone called me Ursula when I had my hair when it was purple and yeah. it was a pixie cut and I would kind of like put it up and back. And someone was like, "You have Ursula hair." Well, I mean, speaking Thanks. of hair in general, like that's another way that you can tell that they're villains. Yeah. It's like kind it's of... It's not long and flowy and... And perfect. It's usually unkempt. Like, I was just... When you said hair, too, I was thinking about Mother Gothel, which she's right. got Big kind of the curly crazy, hair, which, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other bag of, you know, worms as far as curly hair being equated to being, like, crazy or, like, yeah. evil, you yeah. know, or... Well, Merida in Brave has crazy curly hair, but I think that's also representative of her, like, wild spirit. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the other part of that. It's like, yeah. if you're wild, you have curly hair. If yeah. You're, if you're untamed, you're untamable, you know, it's kind of like, a, it points to that. Yeah. Um, But another thing that, that I've seen and noticed about villainesses is that they use their femininity. They can hide behind it. Uh-huh. So either they're the old hag trope, right, where they're trying to cling to youth in some way, and that scene is, like, very undesirable, or they're scary to men because yeah. they can hide behind their femininity, and they're, like, feminine wiles, and that's yeah. scary. Or also because they're so good-looking and kind of maybe mysterious and intense that they can, like, lure Yeah, yeah, the it's like in. the siren. Yeah. Um, the whole siren idea. Yeah. yeah. Or like Amy and Gone Girl. Yes. Who was able to hide behind her kind of like virginal blonde sweetness. Yes. Amy Dunn in Gone Girl is one of my favorite characters I think ever written. Well, female I love her. villains are so much more complex in general. Well, and what's crazy is that and I feel like this is kind of in the book that we're going to be talking about at the pop-up, so I don't mm-hmm. want to get into it too much. But it's interesting because in that book, we are supposed to be seeing Amy as this completely psycho, unthinking, crazy person, which she, you know, she's She is. She's I mean, she's, she's definitely, like, sociopathic or something. But Nick 
is so fucked up. Oh, absolutely. He's yes. so yes. fucked up. Like, he is you, also a villain. That you're kind of like, you both suck. They both do suck. And, yes. and you're supposed to, like, feel bad for him being stuck with this woman. I'm like, well, you're a piece of shit. But I think it was kind of written that way. I think yeah. it was No, written, I think it was on purpose. Yeah, it was, it was on purpose where it was written, like, the first half of the book. If you guys have never read Gone Girl. Oh. Um if you've never read it, maybe, and you don't want it to be spoiled or you don't want any spoilers at all, maybe fast forward, like, a little bit. But, yeah, the first half of Gone Girl is you're supposed to feel so bad for... for this girl. For Amy. Yeah. Yes. And then the second half, you're like, holy shit. You start shit. the first page of the second half. Yes. I remember just shutting that book and calling my friend who recommended that book you're to like, me and what? being like, ah, ah. what the actual fuck am I reading? Yeah, yeah. Everything, Everything switches. just turned on its head. And you're like, wait, wh- I wish I could have that feeling back. But I wish you, I could forget yes, it and read that again because that feeling was amazing. But then you realize how flawed they both are. Like, they're yeah. both super flawed. Amy, and this is another you know, kind of classic villainess sign is super smart. Yeah. You know, whereas her husband, not so smart, kind of like a very average guy. Lots of female villains are very, very smart. Yeah. You know, um, which is, it's kind of an interesting thing to look at. Yeah. And how they use their smarts rather than, like, their brawn to kind of, like... Get what they want. Get what they want. Mm -hmm. Or they're able to manipulate other people around them. Because I think female villains, the way they're written, is very interesting because the writer can't just be lazy and rely on physical strength to get what they need in general. I mean, of course, some female villains are strong, you know, but then others are, like... Poison Ivy, who will literally, like, lure you in and seduce you and then yeah. kill you with a kiss, you yeah. know? I like the thing kind of going off of Gone Girl. I really like all of Gillian Flynn's so do villains I. She, and well, female characters. very complex female characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, We're all the very villain flawed. in Sharp Objects is, oh. Just the, the villains. Rip, yeah, I was going to say yeah. plural, but I don't want to spoil anything. But it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's very good at writing complex female characters. Yeah. And who would have thunk she's a woman? Yeah. You know really? what I mean? Wow. Because so often a lot of male male writers will try and write complex female characters that kind of fall really flat. And it flat. doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. It takes a it's woman like to be able to write a, like a, effort. a really incredible, complex, realistic female character. Yeah. Because it's always going to be through a different gaze if you're trying to write for, like, I, I don't even think if I were to try to write a story about a teenage boy, like, it would, I don't it would know be what hard. it's like with, to be a teenage right, boy. Right, without having, like, spending, sitting down and spending a lot of time with teenage boys and having them And running you. by everything, mm-hmm. you yeah. know what I mean? But then, again, I would want to get everything right, and I would want to ask a lot of questions, where I think a lot of men are like, I'm going to write this amazing female character and don't Yeah, I think there's a lot of, by. <laughs> I think there's a lot of ego there, too, you yeah. know, where they're just like, I know women. I got it. It's fine. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or maybe not so much. Um, so there's so much coding around what we perceive as, like, female or um, acceptable femininity mm-hmm. or traditional femininity. And oftentimes, female protagonists totally, you know, fit that bill, whereas um, whereas there's a lot more freedom with female villains. And I really, like, admire that. Yeah. And love that. Yeah. And I think maybe I would have been a completely different person. Had I related more with female villains growing up than yeah. the princesses? Well, you but you're not supposed to relate to the female villains or to the villains in general. You're supposed to relate to the good guy. Well, but I've know? so often heard women as they get older 
say that they relate to the female villains yes. in Disney movies more than to the Disney princesses. Yeah. As you get older and you because understand the world Because it's not logical. More. They don't, like, princesses don't live in a, in a logical world. And I feel like for anybody who's experienced adulthood, you can watch a villain and be like, dude, I get why you're pissed. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. I, be, like, I the would world say too. fucked you over. Yeah. I get it. You know what I mean? And also, yeah. like, fuck all these people. You yeah. know? Like, I, I, you know, you get it. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about race. Yes. Or the perception of race when it comes to good versus evil in okay. pop culture in general. Yeah. So, female villains are far less likely to be white. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's a completely different skin color. You've got sometimes Ursula who's they're like purple. purple, or you've got, you know, the Wicked Witch who we've talked about <laughs> is who is green. green. Um, even, mm. but I mean, I feel like that's because they want to have the audience see them as being different and that makes them scary. Well, but that's you know exactly I mean? right, which yeah. is, a, which is in itself kind of a racist notion. Oh yeah. And I like, mean, you see that not only in like cartoons and comic books, but you also see it in movies like Kill Bill, where you've got Uma Thurman, who's being, tr- people are trying to kill her, and oftentimes it's like a black woman, an Asian woman. Yeah. You know, these are our visions of of villains. Yeah. And I do think that there's something to be said about that. Like, Eartha Kitt, for example, was... I love her. She's amazing, and she's black. She's Yzma. And she's Yzma, but she was one of the first cat women... Yeah. To be on TV. And I think it was easy for people to kind of picture her in that role as, like, especially since black women have been so fetishized yeah. and kind of, like, looked at as Jezebels and things of that nature. Well, and Catwoman is also a very heavily fetishized character, too. Right. So she, putting those two together. She is. And it was easy to kind of look at her as um, both a temptress and a bad guy because... She wasn't white and yeah. blonde yeah. and, like, you know, virginal in that way. And it's something that you kind of see consistently mm-hmm. throughout, like, pop culture, these villains being not white. Yeah. And also, which it can be kind of a pro and a con, right? Because it gave Eartha Kitt this awesome vehicle to be this yeah. to be this really competent And to woman, have a more fun role. And to have a really great role. Yeah. But also does it reinforce negative, like, stereotypes right. mentally. And you can say the same thing for... Body types. Yes. Because villains are far more often to have, you know, a broader range of of body types. Exactly. Which is, one, amazing. Yeah. But then, two, are we also kind of reinforcing these, like... It it is reinforcing. I mean, if you're looking at Ariel and Ursula next to each other... Right. You know, there's a very clear difference there where that people are going to make. And that other... What's good or bad. Or bad. Bad. Yes, yeah, bad guys look like this. Yeah. And I've heard it, this doesn't go with what we're talking about right now... Um, because we're talking about female villains, but also I had a whole conversation with, um, a gay friend of mine who was like, look at all of the male villains. They're so gay. Yeah. You know, (laughs) which is a, you've got Scar, who's got that total vibe, even though he's not supposed to be gay because he wants to be with Jasmine. Um, maybe. And you've got, like, Scar is definitely definitely has that kind of more fluid movement and yeah. stuff like that. They make them more effeminate in kind of like a, in kind of like a... Ooh, um, the Shadow Man? The Shadow Man. They all have this the kind of... They're not necessarily gay, but they definitely give them more of like a flamboyant personality. Right. That they don't give the hero. True. And it reinforces this kind of, like, negative gay stereotype. Interesting. I've never yeah, noticed Yeah, I that. never thought about that before until he said that to me. And then I was like, I mean, and Ursula was based on Divine. Yeah. The drag queen. Yeah. So even though she's a woman, 
She's yeah, based on a drag, a drag queen. queen. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So it's an interesting look at how... Yeah, you could either either look at it as being awesome or you can look at it as being another way that we are stereotyping. Or both. I yeah. Think, I think this whole thing that I came... I went into it being, like, misogynistic trope or, like, feminist yeah. icon, feminine yeah. heroes. And... I think it's, I think it's both. very both. Yeah. Because we it's how we perceive it. If we want to perceive them as being a feminist character, we can see the good in it. But then if once we learn more about who wrote the character, and what why. lens are we seeing it through, why, then we can understand its misogyny. And we can either choose to look at it and be upset about that, or we can see the positives in these characters and the good things that they are um doing for society and i think again it's something that you realize as you get older yeah yeah and i think it will continue to like change throughout time as well there was something that was interesting to me um when talking about female villains is that typically they get much less of a flushed out backstory yes than male villains do we want to know all about the male villains past and how he got there and a big one um that i read about was uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. Oh, yeah. We get a little bit of a backstory. Barely, though. But it's very nothing. barely. And she, to me, is... Fascinating. Horrifying. Yeah. And fascinating. And, like, killed her family for Voldemort. And, like, all this, like, I want to know all about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just kind of, like, pushed aside, especially in the movies. Like, there's a lot of stuff about that family that isn't talked about. Well, we might get some more of that with the, the next That's movie. True. Because That's there is true. Because Zoe Kravitz plays one of the Lestranges. I, Love Zoe Kravitz. I love her, too. So much. So, yeah, it's interesting how the male villains really would get a lot of um, backstory and, and things like that. And when we do go back and give them backstory, um, I think both in Wicked and in Maleficent, like, in Maleficent in particular, I found it to be kind of like a letdown because mm-hmm. of all the things you could have given her as a backstory, and I liked the movie, but of all the things you could have given her as a backstory, you gave that she's that a man fucked, a man fucked her over. Yeah, and yeah. she's like heartbroken. Like you made it about a relationship, which I think you could have yeah. made it so much more interesting because male characters being bitter about this or that is not always about being hurt by yeah. a romantic partner. Yeah, sometimes it is, but it's not always. And I think we. What do you have a problem with with Wicked? With Wicked, I love her backstory. I, Am I forgetting parts? I'm thinking maybe I'm misremembering. It's not. I just really liked because she like. Didn't she have like a guy? Oh, she was with the scarecrow at some point in the. I can't play. remember. Maybe I'm. But wrong. when I'm thinking about like her childhood and everything, she was like she had a sister who was in a wheelchair and she was green right. and like they yeah, were yeah. kind of like oh, went I like against that. the grain I like those and then parts of her backstory. Yeah, and like she was seen as so different and offbeat. And she was really trying to do good, which made it everyone else see it as being evil. And, like, Dorothy was actually the bad guy because she stole her sister's shoes and she just wanted that part of her sister with her. Well, I mean, and then, again, we have uh, the idea of revenge, right? Yeah. Where it's like it almost makes sense. Like, it's almost like you you don't begrudge, you shouldn't necessarily begrudge the Wicked Witch, Witch of the West. Maybe she went around about it in a bit of you know, a strange yeah. way, but she did crush her sister. Yes, and, and then stole her shoes. It was an accident, yeah. but still, we look at Dorothy with this kind of, like, wide-eyed innocence yeah. and, like, sweetness, and in reality, look, accident or not, like, that's homicide. <laughs> she killed her sister. I'd be pissed, too. And then, and then somebody, and then Glinda, who in the backstory is... 
her friend mm-hmm. gives her the slippers. Yeah, which is fucked it's up. It's like, peace, bitch. Yeah, sorry. I'd be like, yeah, I want my fucking shoes back. It's the one thing of my sister's that I could have. That you just killed. Let's not forget <laughs> this. I feel like that just gets washed right over in The Wizard of Oz. You well, just... it wouldn't be homicide. Wouldn't it be, like, manslaughter? Because she didn't mean to kill her. Sure, but still. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it sucks. I'm Caitlyn Jenner also committed manslaughter, and I think that that's not okay That's either. true. I forgot about like, that. Like, <laughs> you know? I forgot she about should be, that. She should pay for that. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so when speaking of backstories and kind of on this subject, another thing to kind of admire about female villains is that their storyline does not have to revolve around a man. Yeah. And very rarely does. Like, yeah. it can involve a man, but it doesn't always. Yeah, and even when there are men involved, they're almost like secondary characters. Like, I, I like to think about um, Cinderella mm-hmm. as such a, a female-heavy story for the most part. Yes. Um, you know, she... Her father, Cinderella's father, had married another woman who, again, was very jealous of Cinderella. I think of the attention that the father gave Social her. Social rejection. Or the looks. Why they things wouldn't like that. let her come to the party. Yeah. You know? And she, like, treated Cinderella like a servant, manipulated her other two daughters to think the same way that she did to completely ostracize Cinderella. Like, this isn't... Yeah, like, she married a man. She's evil. I always she's thought she was very scary. scary. as yeah. fuck. She is actually a very scary villain. She's really scary. But it's not... Like, there's a man in the story for about two seconds, but it's more so about what the girl represents. And her relationship with Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And her relationship to Cinderella, and it could be even with men. Right. Like, if you marry somebody and, and they're, you know, so in love with their daughter that you feel that you have to compete, you yeah. know? Yeah, and you feel like you're on the outside constantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you maybe know that your daughters aren't as pretty. <laughs> right. And, and again, it's like, it's that social rejection. It's like, if you know your daughters aren't as beautiful and... As we've said already, like, beauty is currency. Yeah. So if you know that your daughters are not as beautiful, it's going to be—it's competition. They want your daughters to go to the ball and right. marry and the you, prince. and you do not want And you Cinderella know that Cinderella, go. who is this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, gorgeous girl, to go to the ball and swoop the prince off his feet. Right. It's competition. Yeah. It's feeling like— in Or a weird... we can look at it in the Brandy version, and she's not blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Oh, that's true. That's true, but... But it's Brandy. <laughs> it's it's the... It's musical theater casting. Yeah. <laughs> Colorblind casting. Ugh, I love Which is, that like, movie. the best version. It's the best. I love that movie. It's it is so good. If you guys have not notch. watched the Brandy version of Cinderella... Pause this episode. Watch it. Bernadette Peters <laughs> plays the stepmom. Yeah. It's incredible. Whoopi Goldberg yes. is the queen. There's an Asian prince who's super oh, hot. She was the fairy. Who's the fairy godmother? Whitney Houston. Oh, that's... Yes! Yes! Oh, it's Fantastic. so good. Fantastic. It's so good. So another thing with villainesses, so we've already kind of talked about... We're, we're bouncing around a little bit, but we've already kind of talked about the uh, old hag trope quite a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about the other half of that coin with villainesses being allowed to be sexy. Yeah. So villainesses are allowed to display outright sexuality. Because sex is bad. Because sex is bad. Or sex is like, (laughs) or, you know, her ability to seduce you is scary to you because she can wield power in that way. So, um... She's yeah, she's allowed because she's evil and will most likely be defeated in the end. Yeah. Right? So it's it's okay for her to display like outright sexuality yeah. whereas our protagonist. You know what? That's what I'm looking for in a in a pop culture princess. Some big boobs. 
I just sex want, appeal. I want you to have a little bit of sex appeal. I want you to have like a little Jasmine? bit of, of sex positive energy. Jasmine. She looks maybe a little more sexy, but she doesn't act it. Neither does Ariel. But they both act very innocent. I, I, I think if I had to pick one or the other, I would pick Jasmine as far as being like, she's very physically confident. Yeah. In a way where I feel like Ariel is a little bit more like wide-eyed innocence. Yeah, yeah. You know, um... But Jasmine also doesn't... Well, she does use her sexuality when she's trying to get out of um, Jafar's Right. She wields her sexuality. That's true. That's true. Because that's what I was about to say about villainesses is they understand the power of their sexuality and they understand how to wield it to get what they want. Um, And they know that the power of it is is evil and that's what makes it evil. Which scares the shit out of men. Yes. Um, So, like, beauty, being a... Not just beauty, but... Because princesses are kind of like effortlessly beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. You never see them doing their Ursula where they put yeah. their lipstick on, you know? I mean, unless we're looking at Mulan, but I guess that was done to her. Sorry, I'm just oh, trying yes. to... Oh, yes, different. Not I different. have so many Disney movies in my head right now. Totally I didn't even different. know this was going to be such a Disney-heavy episode. Well, I mean, uh, just villains in general. Yeah. It could be any of them. I don't know a lot of comic book stuff, though. So for me, that's not what I think of in my head. When I think about female villains, I'm automatically going to go to, like, Harry Potter or Disney. Yeah, Hocus Pocus, yeah. female villains. But Ugh, I, I, I think that being aware of your beauty and yeah. sexuality and ambition are all key markers in what makes you a lady villain. And they're often portrayed as negative attributes, and they often Very. lead to their downfall. Whereas, like, being confident and aware of your beauty, being ambitious, and being aware and confident in your sexuality are all good things, Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, um, that's true. I know. I'm trying to think of like if there are any heroes who I've seen that are like that. And it's true when we talk about color too, like what they wear and everything like that. Like I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, the, you know. So you don't watch Game of Thrones, I guess. I do watch. Game oh, you of do. Thrones. Yeah. So I mean, think about whenever I have Cersei Lannister. As yes. People. Yeah, yeah, and think of when Cersei Lannister. Spoiler alert, guys. If you haven't seen this yet, I mean, come on. I didn't watch Game of Thrones until last year, and then I watched all of them in, like, three months. Oh, my God. I love Game of Thrones. So, I know it's problematic. That could be a whole episode of problems. I know, but but it's so good. It's so good. But when Cersei Lannister kind of finally takes the—you can see her progression from, you know, kind of scary lady in the back, you know, on the back end of it to full-on villain. Yeah. Um— Towards Queen the end, bitch scary. The end of the season before last, where she kind of like finally takes the throne for the first time. Yeah. And you can see it in her in everything about her, her posture, her, her hair. Her hair, her so she's got short hair now. She's wearing basically a leather black fucking dress with like armor on the shoulders. Yeah. And it totally indicates like this is a badass bitch yeah. who's about to get what she wants. And I've always <laughs> said, of course you can't love Cersei because no. she's Truly evil. She is the evilest of but evil. But you have to fucking admire her ambition, like yeah. and her ability to if get she what she wants. She could only put that ambition towards something positive. Well, in she's life. a Lannister. She's fucking I mean, Lannister, you know man. I mean? But like, yeah, she's she's able to kind of have that hyper focus of yeah. like her ambition to a psychotic fucking I mean, level. Sure, sure. Sure. Maybe she takes it a little too far, okay? Like, every now and again. Just a step. Just a smidge. Just a step too far. You know? It's fine. Um, Her and Jamie didn't, like, fucking throw a child off of a building in the first episode. It's fine. I know, but people tend to forgive Jamie. 
They're like, I know. Forgive him for that shit. And I'm like, he's he a, put his child that child in the wheelchair. He's a really bad guy. Yes, just saying. Jamie's a dick. Um, not to mention their relationship is very unseemly. Oh, it's so normal. Um, <laughs> okay, so Shannon Austin's quoted uh, the author Mary J. Russo in Batman's Fe- Female Foes, which appeared in a Popular Culture article in April of 2015. And it refers to kind of, like, using femininity and kind of, like, sex appeal as a mask. To put on femininity with vengeance suggests the power of taking it off, purposely disguising themselves in this way and acting feminine to gain certain ends, thus allows them more power because they can remove this mask at times convenient for them, revealing the so-called monsters underneath. Yeah, it's kind of like it is the, the... the mask, like you yeah. said, of of looking sexy and beautiful and all these things, and then you unleash that at your own will. Right, and we've been kind of conditioned as a society to not expect a beautiful person to, to be, be evil. evil or scary. I'm just immediately picturing, again, Little Mermaid when Ursula turns herself into Vanessa, right. and, then, and then, like, she, like, explodes Blows out of her dress. <laughs> yes. That was her mask, and then she's like, I'm done with this bitch, blah, boom. Boom, I'm done. Um, yeah, and it kind of lends this idea that uh, femininity and, you know, beauty is um, dangerous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and more of a certain type of beauty, I feel like. Right, that yeah. kind of... But that's what makes Amy from Gone Girl really creepy, too, because she's like a girl-next-door housewife, almost yes. Cinderella-esque yes. looking. That is what makes her so scary, because yeah. we expect to see danger in the, you know, woman wearing the leather catsuit. Yeah. Right? That is inherently dangerous to us, or we're yeah. like, that, that's a vamp or that's just, gonna be... Or just the vixen in general. Like, if mm-hmm. you think about a show like Desperate Housewives, right? all of those girls are a little evil in their own ways. They're yeah. desperate. They're doing these things that are a little bit, you know... Not recommended in society, um, but we look at the more hypersexualized characters, and we know that something is going to happen with them. There's yeah, trouble. There's yeah, yeah. trouble, and they think that too. And yeah. the ones, and like the what's uh, what's her name? The she played Susan in Desperate Housewives. The actress Terry, Terry Hatcher. Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Uh-huh. She can never look at herself for like the bad things that she does because she has such an innocent that look. And she thinks of herself as being yes. so innocent yes. that when she sees somebody like Evie, uh, it's just so like overwhelming to her, and she knows that that person is going to be a problem. It's even hard. even with Evil Longoria a little bit, like you yeah. know that there's going to be issues because of her sexuality. And it's also like with Evie, not that she, I would say, owns this, but like. With women who kind of, like, own their bitchiness, yeah, we shy away from that. When, in reality, that's kind of like women who are direct or powerful we're, like, yeah. scared of. But yeah, if I mean, we I think... were to look at that in a man, we wouldn't feel the same way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because men just own it's their... Like, it's like men admiring Don Draper. Yeah. Yeah, because he's an asshole. He's a dick. You know? He's awful. I couldn't finish watching the show because I couldn't t- I couldn't handle him anymore. But so many people will be like, but he's complicated and no, deep and interesting. Just, you no. Know? Yes, he's complicated, whatever. Like, we are all a product of our circumstances. That doesn't give, give you the you right to be an to asshole. Give you permission to be a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about another aspect. So, okay, we've kind of talked about beauty. We've talked about power. We've talked about ambition. Let's talk about... Marital status. Because mm. most female villains are single. Single AF. And they don't usually, or, you know, like Cersei, 
they don't take their power until they are single. So maybe they haven't been single the entire time. Yeah. It's a Queen Elizabeth sort of situation, yeah. right? Where it's just kind of like, men are in my way, you know, Or if power. you need to be married in order to get a certain status of power. And right. then you do with it what you will. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, Lady Tremaine in Cinderella, too, she was married. She's not anymore. I doubt she could have gotten away with treating Cinderella the way that she did. Well, and Snow White's, alive. too. Snow White's um, yeah. evil queen. She was yeah. married to Snow White's dad, like, so often. But it's like, yeah, they don't come into their, they're often alone. They're yeah. not usually, like, paired up. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to compare that with male villains to see how often they're they're synced up. That's true. But, but there is, even if they're hypersexualized, there's usually not a lot of actual sex happening. Right. You know, whereas with men, if we see, like, male villains, even if they're not married, there's a lot of womanizing going on, and that's part of yeah. what makes them a villain, where there's not typically as much of that happening with female villains. Um, and female villains will usually have, like, dumb male minions. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. dumb, <laughs> Oftentimes, dumb yeah. male minions or dumb, like, non-human minions. Yeah, or like, like monkeys. Maleficent, it's a male crow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought this was really interesting because I think it does have something to do with the way that we see single women. single women. I agree. And the way that we see older single women in particular, like yeah. that old crone kind of idea. Yeah. And I put this, which is kind of scary, and I will show it to you, and we can put it on with our Instagram yeah. pictures. In medieval times, old women living by themselves were so reviled that they uh, that if they were noticed to be too loud or talked too much or made too much of a nuisance of themselves, they would w- have to wear what is called a scold's bridle or sometimes called a witch's bridle, Uh-oh. which was a s- be me. essentially a muzzle. It was like... It was like a thing that went over your head and looked like kind of like a cage, and there was like a thing that went in your mouth and it strapped around. I don't like that. Yeah, it's that would super be mean. scary. But like that is kind of that's where we're coming from in like yeah. a patriarchal society of how we view loud women who are not latched to a man. Yeah, which we kind of touched on in our witches well, episode. Yeah, and it's because like usually if they are married, they're like, why can't your husband like control you or whatever. So this is something I got. Um, I got a lot of my uh, research for this episode uh, from a Stuff You Should Know article or a Stuff Mom Never Told You article. And here is this is from that. Women are a counterpoint to male domination. They are therefore a threat to patriarchal society. And so therefore men project their repressed femininity, which they hate because it's not powerful. Uh-huh. And it goes against patriarchal structure. They protect or they project all of that onto women, and when a woman rises up in power, when that femininity returns to face them, that female character must be a monster who must be subdued. So we punish women who seek power or go above their status. Yeah. Because it flies in the face of of the patriarchal society. Yeah, yeah. Of, of the structure that we've put into place. Yeah, and, whenever, and they need to keep that structure yeah. intact or else everything is just going to implode. Yeah, when that structure is threatened, we're scared about that. And yeah. we see that And that's only, what makes them a villain. Yeah, and I included that part of of this in, in this because we see that play out in real life. I mean, look at the way that Hillary Clinton was treated. Oh, my God. You know, if a woman strives... To go above her quote unquote station. Yeah. And possess any amount of power, we look at her as a villain. Yes. And it's something that needs to be subdued. Yes. Like faced and subdued. Ugh. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it works in movies, and it also works out in real life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, definitely, like, art imitates life and the other way around. I think that the things that we see in movies and television and read in books are things that we see in life. It's how we project onto other people. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to talk a little bit about—did you ever see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yes. Okay. I know I kept seeing the nurse in um, like a lot of the lists that I was looking at about like scariest villains. I mean, she's horrifying. I haven't seen it in like ten years, she's, so I don't really remember it it's that well. Been a long time for me too. She is evil. Remind me what her role is in that movie again. Well, she's the nurse in the mental. Yeah, but like, what does she? What does she do? I don't remember exactly what she. She's just really cruel. She's yeah. really cruel. Like I remember her being really, really evil. Like, yeah. And these are mentally ill patients, and yeah. she's unusually and unnecessarily really, really cruel in, yeah. in keeping them in line, quote-unquote. Yeah. And that's terrible, and it's yeah. awful. However, I forgot that whenever she kind of gets her comeuppance at the end, uh, when Jack, no, yeah, Jack Nicholson's character yeah. kind of, you know, gets revenge against her, they get into yeah. kind of like a scuffle, and she's... Essentially, sexually assaulted at the end of that movie. Like he, like rips, I don't remember he, that. Like rips her clothes off, and I find something really, really gross about the way. I think it says something about our society that we can say that because a woman is evil, that this is an acceptable punishment. Yeah, because it's not something that we would ever do to a man. No, a male villain. At least I don't think so. And if if we did, I think people would still say too far. Yeah, you know. But it, but was, it is more normalized for yeah, women to be treated Yeah, and it was kind way. of like a moment of triumph. It was supposed yeah. to be looked at as a moment of triumph. Like we see our protagonist basically committing like an act of sexual assault against yeah. a woman. I don't know. It really just struck me as something that was kind of like super icky and said something about the way that we That's view very icky. the way that we view women. That yes, they can be evil, but that doesn't give you the right to treat them in a certain. And way. And it's not the way that if a if a male nurse had done that to you, yeah. you wouldn't have reacted the same way. So I think it says yeah. something deep about the protagonist. Well, it's it's his it's his misogynistic view of right. women and what's yes. going to hurt that woman the, the most. most. Right. Yeah. yeah. And what can it's violate her in in the worst way. Yeah. Yeah. Where honestly, I mean, I think that if if men were to be treated that way, that it would be incredibly violating to them as well. But I just don't think that. A woman would think that way to take a man's clothes off? I don't know. Well, I just think, like, I've if got it was, cold medicine going yeah, on in no, my head right okay. now. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I just think if it was a scuffle between two men, yeah. that, you know, they would have punched it out. They would have had it out. Yeah. But because it was a woman, he couldn't do that. So instead, yeah. he did something even more violating. Yeah. You know, and it's supposed to be that this is your protagonist. And I don't know. I just think it says something about the way that we view women and, like, the way that we see violence against women and and sexual violence against women and how normalized it is, kind of, you know? Yeah. Okay, so there's just a couple of other things that I wanted to touch on here. So, male characters outnumber female characters three to one, which is something that we knew and we talked about. But 41% of male TV characters are shown on the job as opposed to 23% of female characters. I thought this was interesting and worth bringing up because I think we typically see... I think female characters are not always out-and-out villains, as in, like, they're written to be villains. Uh But they're often portrayed in a negative light if they're ambitious 
businesswomen. Yes. yes. You know, if they're ruthless in the way a man is ruthless in the office, yeah. they're considered to be a villain character. Right. Whereas the man would just be seen as a boss. Yeah. The, the woman is like a bitch. Yeah. You know, like. I, it's interesting because I just watched this movie the other night called The Overnight. Uh-huh. And it was a weird movie. It was supposed to be like a kind of, it was under the raunchy comedy category on Netflix and it was kind of dark and like. Interesting. I thought it was going to be kind of like a Judd Apatow kind of thing. Uh-huh. It was not. Um, but it's interesting because in the movie there's a couple who is Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black and Adam Scott and they have a son and the father doesn't work. He's like a stay-at-home dad, and Taylor Schilling's character is like the workaholic mom. Uh-huh. Um, and it's interesting how you see that in the beginning, and you immediately know that there is tension. Right. Even if it's not explicitly said, you know that because she is the breadwinner and he is a stay-at-home dad, that there will be tension. That there's an tension. issue there. Yeah, I watched, um, I just started watching, which I actually really like. It's kind of in the vein of This Is Us, but it's that new show, A Million Little Things. Yeah. So cute. It's definitely, well, I don't know if I want to use the word cute, but it's a tearjerker type of a TV yeah, show, yeah. you know? And that was an issue there, too. There was a guy who's, like, really unhappy in his marriage, and his wife is... Um, the only things you ever really see of her is, like, she's always in a suit. She's always on her cell phone. She's always, Grabbing like, a coffee, grabbing a briefcase. Getting ready and to going. go to work. You know what I mean? And it's seen very negatively. Well, it's seen that she is doing something to hurt him rather than looking at his own insecurities. She's yeah. not doing anything to yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you feel bad that your wife works all the time and you teach guitar lessons... Maybe that's on you. Yeah. Like maybe that's not on your wife that you feel inadequate. Exactly. But I don't think that that's a trope that has been explored. I think that that's uh, it's it's easier for us as an audience and for writers to write a character about an insecure man and make it seem like it's the woman's fault for being so ambitious and like, or it's like you made me give up my life or you know things yeah, like that. Yeah. And well, I think it all goes back to kind of the way that we've framed our villainesses like yeah we look at women who have a lot of ambition as being harpies or yeah. being bitches mm-hmm. you know when in reality it's the exact same thing we've been teaching our boys to do yeah from the beginning well and then in an office setting too i feel like if you are going to be a woman who is in charge if you were to show any sign of weakness or lack of bitchiness at times they're going to walk all over you yeah i just had this conversation about and listen, you know, I'm not going to go on and on about this uh, because I voted for Hillary in the 2016 election, obviously. Yeah. She wasn't my first choice uh-huh. or a candidate. But it does bother me when people say that she's like, she's a bitchy or she's an ice queen or she just seems mean. Well, like, because what do you I'm want like, her to be? She's a career politician. Yeah. She's had to work her way up through a boys club yeah. her entire career yeah. this what is exactly expect? who she needed to be uh-huh. because we can't have the, and if it was the other side of that coin if we had a sugary sweet beautiful oh, candidate for president it was it would be too she'd yeah. be too sweet yeah. so it's just like women can't win in that way yeah. of course she was tougher and harder but you know what she was just as tough and just as hard as every other male candidate. Yeah. And we can't have people be like, oh, I I wanted to vote for George W. Bush because I wanted to have a beer with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. We will never have a female candidate for president that has that type of personality. You can't have a Joe Biden personality as a as a female politician and get elected 
to yeah. be the president of the United yeah. States. Just because they would just think that you're passive or right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they would think you couldn't get the job done. You wouldn't be tough enough. Yeah. So I just think that that's it's really a lose lose situation. Yeah, I just think it's interesting the way that we look at yep. and categorize uh, women. Um, Jeez. Okay. Sorry, Hillary. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. She she was in a no-win situation, as are, yeah. I think, a lot of women. We we look at Elizabeth Warren, and it's kind of like the same thing. They're like, Elizabeth Warren can't run for president because she's too loud. She's yeah. too much. And, like, people can't take that. Yeah. Kamala Harris, same thing. It's like, it's if you're too oppositional as a woman, it won't work. Yeah. Where is that sweet spot as a woman? I don't know that there is one yet. Michelle Obama? But, well, she's black, so that won't work. That's true. People don't like her for that reason. <laughs> but, Jesus yeah, I mean, Christ. and that's the thing about that. Like, Michelle Obama is smart and articulate and yeah. not, like, hard as nails but tough enough. But, yeah. you know, still, it's not good enough. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I have on here that I thought was kind of interesting is there is a difference between a villain and an antihero. Yeah. Right? Where there are, like, characters that aren't good or bad, but they're still kind of like our protagonists, our antiheroes. I think for a lot of the series, a lot of people would argue that, like, Walter White in Breaking Bad is an antihero. To me, he's a little bit of a villain, but he's still our protagonist, I've right? I've never seen Breaking Bad. Oh, my God. Breaking Bad's good. I like it. I know. I'm sure I'll get into it eventually. When that day comes, I'll let you know. <laughs> Please do. I actually should rewatch it. I just wait. I like I like being able to binge things. I don't like watching new shows because I want no, to be I able know. to watch it over I and know. over again. Anthony and I actually, literally, this is where my life is at, uh, busyness-wise. We just made a shared um, Google sheet of of movies, shows? of movies and shows that we need to watch because yeah. we keep talking about it and then yeah. like we'll just it's rewatch the only Friends. Way. Yeah, exactly. So we're like, let's make it, let's put it in our face yep. and then let's rank them by what we want to watch. We just started Maniac. It's good I so far. Watch. I've seen half of the first episode and I really like. I've it. seen the, it's weird, but it's good. I've seen yeah. the first two episodes. But okay, so I haven't started this, but it's on my list. Is Jessica Jones, for instance? Yeah. Or if we're talking sharp objects, Camille Preaker. Uh huh. You know these characters, I would consider to be anti-heroes they're yeah. not your typical protagonist right yeah and they might do some shady shit to get shit done but yeah. like but they need to an interesting thing about anti-heroes that i found is that they're almost all white in fact i can't think of a non-white anti-hero yeah like there are non-white villains a lot of non-white villains. Because peop- they probably do that because they still want to gain the sympathy, which is fucked up. I'm not saying yeah, it's Yeah, no, right. but that's exactly But, like, it. they're trying to gain the sympathy mm-hmm. so that they don't go to straight, like, villain. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the way that the media plays their part in that is interesting to me. Like, um, the last, like, I think it was Iron Man 3. For Iron Man 3, at the last minute, in pre-production, before they went into production... Uh-huh. Their main villain was supposed to be a woman, and oh. then they got a memo, and they were like, "Yeah, you you need to change that. You need to change it to be a man." Why? Because female um, toys uh-huh. don't sell as well. Like female action hero toys <sighs> yeah. don't sell as well. So they were like, "Because of toy sales, you need to yeah. change it from a from a female to a male villain," which I thought was interesting. Tisk tisk. I know, but it says something about our, our culture. It yeah. says something about our society. Well, because we're also not raising our, our young girls to be into action movies as much a lot of times either. Well, you know? and I think it also says something about what we're telling our boys, too, yeah. is that, like... You have to play with boy Yeah, figures. or, like, that you're so masculine 
that you're too masculine to kind of look up, not look up to, but you know, like a, a female villain. Like yeah. you, you can't believe that she could be evil because she's a woman, which yeah. is also not a good lesson to be no. teaching your boys because no. there's a lot of bad women out there. Yeah. You know, and you're not preparing them for that nope. if you just make them believe that all women are, are good. Yeah, moms are like, I don't want my son to see me, in, you know, or like, or other women, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, or they, or they think thing. it says something about their masculinity, little boys, to be like, I can't play with a doll. I yeah. can't play with a girl doll. <sighs> you know, I can't watch my hero get... Slapped down by, by a girl. girl. Yeah, it, it says something about our society. <sighs> but in summation, <laughs> I feel like I've talked a lot. I can't, I can't talk. That's like, okay. I feel like I have this like lump in my throat and I'm like hopped up on cold medicine. Like, bleh. It's okay. It's a good thing I can basically talk to an empty room. Thank you, Katie. By myself. Usually like, I could too. Right now I'm <laughs> in another fucking planet. No, in my head. that's okay. You know, listen, Do we're not always going to be on, on top. During these recordings, I've definitely been sick recording, and it is not fun. Oh, I f- I'm just like, what did we just talk about? Yeah, I know. I hear you. <laughs> well, okay, then I will recap for you and for the listeners. Thank you. My, in conclusion. In, in summation, my thoughts on female villains, I guess. I, when I was researching them, I was really kind of like, I dig these ladies. Yeah. Yes, they're villains, but it's kind of like they're a product of their environment and they're a product of our society. And if we can view male villains as... With empathy. Yeah, and why can't we view female villains with that same empathy? Yeah. No, I think they're badass, too. I just wish that a a female villain was treated with the same amount of respect, uh, character backstory, um, being fully realized and likable as male villains can be. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I wish there was a little bit more equality with that because I think it is important to show that it doesn't matter who you are, what your gender is, what you look like, that you are capable of being good and you are capable of being evil. Right. Those things don't play into it. And I think we need to re-examine what we see as evil. I agree. You know, and why. And maybe just, like, invite that family member to a party even if you don't kind of want them there because you yeah, don't maybe don't be a dick you, just like invite them to the party so your child she doesn't has get powers. cursed i know like motherfucker she's got evil powers maybe just fucking slip nice, her an invite you know like, yeah act like she's your bestie slip her an invite and then that was a dick move on everything Melissa, will, maleficent's part though like come on oh to fucking curse a child yeah man like, yeah that seems unnecessary yeah it's just a little bit over, over it's the a top. party you're it's fine party. <laughs> i understand it hurts not to be included I've been there. It doesn't feel good. I know. I always feel like there should be more to that. I'm just like, wait, there's got to be something else. Well, they tried with the live action movie. I know, but I I mean, before that, I was like, there's something that's got to be like, I don't, I don't buy the love interest thing. It was heartbreaking that scene where she wakes up and her wings are gone. Heartbreaking. So terrible. But um, no, I I feel like there should have been more of a catalyst to why she was going after the baby. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you because I'm just like a baby, really. What if she was like? What if she like couldn't have children? I would like that better because I feel then like that that's would also a more be, like. Yeah, it would kind of be a. Fo- it could be a focus on, you know, uh, infertility. Which yeah, would be interesting. Yeah, something that a lot of women go through. Yeah, yeah, I feel I like that know. would make more sense. Yeah, and being upset and being like, I mean, I'm not saying you know, kill a baby because you can't have kids. But I mean, 
She did wait until she was 16, so that's something. She didn't just straight kill the baby. (laughs) But she was, like, so specific. You're going to prick your finger on a spinning wheel, and they're like, we're going to get rid of all of these. Highly, strangely specific. So specific. Like, why? It's very weird. But she made it happen. She did make it happen. Bitch made it happen. Bitch turned herself into a dragon. She didn't have anybody else fighting her battles for her. She's like, I'm going to fuck this prince up. I feel like that says something metaphorically, too, that she turned herself into a dragon. You know? That she made herself something, like, larger than life and scary. Very scary. A a literal monster. A literal monster. Yeah. She She knows what she is. Yeah, you know what? That's another thing about villainesses that I appreciate. They're fucking unapologetic. They know who they are. And they're unapologetic about it. They're just kind of like, yeah. Like, that's how I feel about the Sanderson sisters. Like, they don't need some kind of, like, you know, torn up conscience about anything. They're just kind of like, yeah, man, we want to stay young. We want to stay alive. We're going to eat some kids. It's fine. It's fine. It's great. I love that movie. I love that movie, too. I've seen it in so long. It's about that time where we need to watch that movie. Yeah, I agree. (sighs) Okay, so... I'm sorry if if my notes were kind of all over the place. I hope you guys still enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it, Keegan. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, then that's all that really matters. (laughs) I know, right? Isn't it? (laughs) Just us. If you have any stories that you would like to send us... Yeah, if there's any of your villains that you... Female villains that you love that we didn't touch on. Anything to contribute to this episode, definitely email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also send us your sister solidarity stories. We haven't gotten any new coming out stories in a while, which I would love to get some more of those. still totally love to get coming out stories. Yeah, so basically anything you want to tell us, reach out to us and touch base on us with... We have been getting, um, and thank you to the people who have been sending us their stories of uh, sexual assault, essentially their Me Too yes. stories. It's been really, really touching, Very. and uh, you're so brave for sending yeah. those in. If you guys have any that you want to share, that you feel comfortable sharing, um, I think it is helpful. I think it's cathartic for yeah. a lot of people. I like that we have a lot of listeners who are like, I don't know why I'm sending you this, or I don't know who else to send this to, and so they send things like to I us. Need to. Yeah. yeah, and it's really nice. It's nice to be a bouncing board for somebody, and even if we don't always have the perfect things to say in response, um, I like that there are people that feel comfortable enough with us that they feel that they can share their stories and yeah, and know that have like, someone who will listen. If you share your story with us and we read it, that it is helping somebody else. Yeah, you know, and that's not to pressure anyone into sharing anything, but no. if, if you wanted to share something, know that. I have gotten comments about, you know, what we've shared, and it has helped people, and it has made people feel um, less alone. Yeah. So that's been Especially right now, it's very important. Yeah, yeah. uh, You guys can also find us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can also find us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. Um, You can find us on Facebook. We have a business and um, group page that you can hit us up on there and i want to give a big thank you to um jesse and dina over at woman who had an awesome event over yes, the weekend. i'm so jealous that i couldn't go it I was worked so much so cool and it was awesome to see so many wonderful inspiring women kind of like get together and there was spoken word and musicians and artists and artisans and it was just, it was really, really cool. So a big thank you to them and also follow them on social media. You can get them at woman, which is W-O-M-B-Y-I-N. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, yeah, hit them up. All right. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs>
Just looking at Madigan expectantly waiting for her line. I'm like, no. Ready? And with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.